Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Brazil, and this is the show where I get to talk about sports, I get to talk about business, and I get to talk about everything in between. Good morning, good snowy morning to everybody out there who's watching us live today. My illustrious guest, I have Ray Katz. He's the COO and co-founder of Collegiate Sports Management Group, adjunct professor over at Columbia University, and former marketing director at the NFL. Ray, how are you doing this morning? I am doing tremendously well, Michael. Thank you. Other than uh, skating down the block this morning, getting some uh, exercise. Uh, pretty good day today. Beautiful day here in New York City. Beautiful day to be alive. I love it, Ray. And I'm very excited. Obviously, went over some of the things you've done, but you've you've been doing this thing a, lo- a little while. How about that? I don't want to say a long time. You've been doing this thing a little while. You have some incredible experience. The first question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast, Ray, is... Why do you love sports so much? I I played growing up. I'm not so well in some cases, pretty well in other cases. I love the competition. Um, Love the fact that you challenge yourself and your own uh, physical, mental, and emotional limits, which I still do playing golf, Um, mostly emotional. Uh, But um, other than that, uh, you know, it's been an amazing run industry-wise, and uh was very fortunate to break in. It was actually an accident. And um, I guess it doesn't work that way now because there are really no accidents getting into the sports industry. It's much uh, definitely more challenging than it used to be when I did it. Yeah, it's it's a little different, obviously, with uh, the supply and the demand are both extremely high. And, um, you know, I think that's it's really important for people to understand high school kids, college kids, career changers to understand that the supply is so high that a lot of people want to work in sports. It's one of my favorite things in the entire world. It's a lot of other people's favorite thing in the entire world. So I have to ask, how how was breaking into sports an accident for you, Ray? Um, I was uh, fortunate enough to be working at that time, the best ad agency in the world, Young and Rubicam Advertising. And um, I was actually the 10th person to be interviewed for the account executive role uh, on global uh, account Adidas or Adidas, depending Adidas. on where you are. And um Actually, I had been at Ronzoni Pasta Cooking School um, because they required that of all uh, folks working on the Ronzoni account. So that was productive. So I was there for number 10, and I was told by the global account director that three people had impressed him in advertising and marketing and three in sports, knowledge of global sports. But nobody really impressed him in both. So I seemed relatively normal. I had him fooled. And um and he said, if you impress me on both, the job's yours. And I was doing it with Mitchell Kurz, who was the uh, global account director. Um, I'm sorry, uh, the U.S. account director for Adidas, the global account director at Young and Rubicam of uh, all account management and account management training. And so he actually sat in the interview with me and asked me a, a bunch of marketing and advertising questions, nailed those, and then finally got to the uh, sports questions. And Mitch said, this is our best guy. Ask him anything. And so I said, please, Mitch, I want this job. Don't make this harder than it needs to be. And um, the gentleman, I, I am so sorry. I don't remember his name, uh, but this is going back a bunch of a few years, as you few suggest. Um, he said, all right, let's start with something completely absurd. I'll bet you know nothing about Aussie rules football. And I had a friend who was an insomniac. And this is the early days of ESPN. And we used to go out in the city Friday night and then go play racquetball and basketball on Saturday. He wakes me up at three in the morning and said, you have to see what this new network ESPN has on. It's this crazy game, Aussie rules football, that combines the worst elements of soccer, basketball, football, rugby, and hurling. 
And I, I kind of got addicted and he'd wake me up and I'd watch Aussie Rules football. And so I said, I don't know that much. I know Carlton beat Hawthorne in the grand finals. It's 18 against 18. The field's an oval about four times the size of a football field. Uh, the best player, and if you advance the ball 15 meters, you, it's a mark. You get a free kick. Um, the uh, the best player in the league is, is a balding guy with a gray-haired ponytail on Carlton, and Olivia Newton-John did the national anthem last year. Other than that, I don't know that much. And Mitch turned to me and said, you are a sick fill-in-the-expletive. <laughs> and the guy said, well, he might be that, but he's the new account executive on Adidas. That is awesome. Oh, my goodness. And the funny – so <laughs> this is going to come a little full circle. So Aussie Rules football was actually one of the first sports to come back during the pandemic. So I found myself waking up at five o'clock in the morning to watch Aussie rules football only a few months ago and learning a lot about it. The sport, honestly, it makes no sense to me. As you said, it's the, the worst combination of all the sports we know and love. And, you know, hey, they just beat the hell out of each other. I'll wake up at five o'clock in the morning, drink my coffee and watch that. So that is pretty funny how uh, how some of these yeah. things do come full circle. But congratulations on Olivia Newton-John. Shout out Olivia Newton-John. Didn't think she'd come up in this conversation. I didn't either, but uh it's it's an interesting story, and I still have the Carlton jersey. That is awesome. Well, shout out to uh, to your buddy for not needing to to sleep too much and figuring out how to do that. So I think that that part is really important. And so I mean, it doesn't really sound like this was an accident per se. I mean, it just sounds like it was a very fortunate situation. I don't believe in luck, but yes. a lot of stars had to align, and they absolutely did to get you there. <laughs> Obviously, your friend waking you up at three in the morning to do that. Yep. How did you take advantage once you got into a company like Young and Rubicam and, and working on a gigantic account like Adidas? Well, you know, it's interesting, Michael. I think this is a really important prescriptive direction for people because I think so many people view advertising salespeople as vendors or properties representation as vendors. And I've always kind of viewed everybody as a business partner because um, you know, there are positives and negatives to being buy side and sell side. And I actually experienced one of these yesterday. And I, I think when people can't get jobs after a lot of years in the industry, it's like to a certain extent, they've earned it. And I really think you just have to be supportive and respectful of everyone that you work with. Um, I don't think everybody is. I think it's important to leave the ego and the arrogance at home you know, and bring pride and confidence, but really be collaborative. And uh, I, I wouldn't be here today if, if I was that person that viewed others as vendors and challenged them and bullied them. Um, first of all, uh, I was fortunate enough when I was uh, getting into the NFL, I ended up working. I had a, I had a vendor who I viewed as a partner, uh, David Morgan, who was my client at the Adidas business. Adidas account. And he treated me extremely well and respectfully, even though he was 15 years my senior. And then sure enough, at the NFL, he ended up being a research supplier. You know, and my boss, Frank Vono said, what do you think of him? And I said, oh, he's a total gentleman, really smart. You know, I work great with him, et cetera. So that was yet another lesson on this. Um, and, and then frankly, I do believe in a little bit of luck because um, when I worked at the Walt Disney Company, which was my job prior to uh, the National Football League, uh, we had uh, secured the rights to the Sesame Street catalog, and I I um, had lunch with a gentleman named Bob Rose. We were supposed to go to Bobby Flay's new restaurant, Mesa Grill, and Bobby Flay was a really hot young chef at that point in time. 
And um, and he called in sick and he said, look, I still want to go to lunch, but can we just go by your office so we don't have to go outside and go for a, a, a 10 minute walk or anything? So I said, sure. So we went to this place, Positano. And uh, right downstairs, they had no tables because they had a huge party going on upstairs. And I explained the situation. They said, I think we can squeeze you in by the coat room. Okay, great. No problem. So squeeze in by the coat room and a big guy comes downstairs from this giant party. Turned out it was an NFL event. Said, didn't you used to work for me, Young and Rubicam? And it was Frank Vona. And he uh, ended up bringing me into uh, the league. And um, so that was pretty fortunate that I just ended up in the right place at the right time and invited me to his office to discuss his catalog. And then uh, in his office, he invited me to Super Bowl and I got to meet everybody and the rest is history. That is incredible. Yeah, it's sometimes again, I, I try not to believe in luck, but damn, that is that's pretty close to lucky right there. It's the the opportunity. I mean, again, you you talked your way into the restaurant, so there's a little bit of skill involved there, but you didn't know the gentleman was gonna be sick. So that is a pretty interesting story, Ray. And I think, you know, with especially with this the Super Bowl coming up only here in a couple days. I mean, you did spend some time, as you said, at Walt Disney and there you're your list, the, the, the career leverage agency, you worked in many, many cool places. But I do want to focus on the NFL before we switch over to Please. CSMG. Um, what was that like? It, it's not the same NFL as it is now. It's a little different. We all know about the shield. We all know about what the NFL does in terms of marketing, the Super Bowl coming up and, and how impactful that is on our enti- entire society. Hey, like half the world takes off to, on that Monday, right? So I think it's pretty important. What was it like when you were there and did you ever see the NFL getting to the point where it kind of controls Sunday 21 weeks out of the 52? You know, it, it kind of did back then, too. Um, and largely because of the amazing efforts of the people that I was fortunate enough to work with. I mean, if you look at the people that were at the NFL when I was there and they and they still currently have an amazing group. Um, and, and Roger Goodell has put together an amazing uh, team over there. But, you know, we had Steve Phelps, who's the president of NASCAR. And he was a peer. And uh, John Bellow, who then founded Sobe Beverages. Frank Vono, who went on to start two amazing agencies, um, ISI and 16W. Um, and then last but not least, Don Garber, who's the commissioner of uh, Major League Soccer and has done a, an amazing job over there building a league from really nothing into uh, an entity where, you know, teams have mid uh, nine figure valuations. So uh, Gary Jacobus, I mean, the, the Doug Quinn, the list goes on and on. Jeff Safka is, is a leader in medical marketing right now. Um, I was just really fortunate and um, it was fun every day. And Jim Connolly, who has now joined our team at collegiate sports management group was there for 25 years, headed up global and, um, also uh, also headed up the consumer products group for a time. So uh, it was just an all-star team of folks. And uh, it was challenging. It was invigorating. We were experiencing 20, 30, 40% growth every year. Um, and I, I really, that's really where I learned the, the sports business, even more so than uh, Madison Square Garden. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you being in that room with all those gentlemen, as you said, and, and, and women and that all-star crew you were able to kind of feed off of each other and and one thing i do want to point out i don't know if anyone's paying attention but ray seems to remember every single person that he's ever met in his life that that's a testament to something you very clearly take relationships very important as you said you're in that sales and marketing realm so you kind of have to but how like how how do you find these relationships how do you 
cultivate these relationships because I think that's something very important that a lot of people can learn from because I mean I can't remember I can remember a lot of people but the the amount of people that you're remembering just through this quick conversation is, is very impressive what what is that a testament to about you I mean it's a people business it's a relationship business and there, it, inevitably something's going to go wrong and when something goes wrong uh, how you get it back on the right track or on the track is really based on relationships, trust, uh, integrity, and and I try to live by that. And you know, sometimes uh, you may not make the sale quite as well as someone who's willing to stretch the truth. But in the long term, I think um, your reputation and your brand is everything. One hundred, one hundred percent. That's the way you got to do it. And so, again, there's many other things that you've done in your career, but for the last. I want to get the math right. Twenty six and a half. Okay, sorry. I, I, I was going to adjunct professor, professor. Yeah. So for that's last twenty years, if I'm not mistaken, give or take a couple. Give or give or take a ten or so, but um, <laughs> I won't say that. You could say that. Sorry, but just over thirty. There you go. So one thing that again, you know, it seems like with your career, you've been at some incredible places. You're doing some incredible things currently. We're obviously going to get to CSMG in a minute, but you have decided that being an adjunct professor is important enough to spend. X number of hours a week doing you were you were at NYU, you're currently at Columbia University. I don't want to put words in your mouth. I'm not trying to put my hand in your pocket, of course, but it doesn't seem like you have to be an adjunct professor. That seems like something that you want to do in giving back. Why is it important for you to help younger kids to help college kids and, and, and help them understand this sports industry? Why is this something that you spend time doing when it seems like you could just be out there golfing instead? Well, I could be out there golfing. Um, not now, unless I use the orange golf balls. That might work. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I've always loved to teach. I've always loved to coach, frankly. And um, I coached youth basketball for three years up in Southbury, Connecticut. It was an amazing experience. Um, but, you know, it's just my nature. And frankly, I probably would have gone into teaching if it paid decently and uh, and coaching. Um, but you know, I wanted to make some money and I didn't grow up with a ton of money. So I wanted to, you know, be able to have nice cars and, um, and not worry about it. Frankly, I always had nice things growing up, but you know, it was always a worry in the family and I could sense it. And, um, but first of all, uh, it's great practice, right? I'm, I'm in front of a classroom once a week. So presentations are just second nature to me. So that works. I always really wanted to give back. I'm on the board of the business of sports school. So I'm very much of a give back person. And um, I've been doing that since 2009. Uh, the initial board members, uh, Tony Pontoro and our current um, chairman and uh, an investor, Dr. Harvey Schiller. And uh, so, so I like to teach. Uh, I love getting students ideas. Uh, the access that students and kids have to information is massive. And um, and I like to tap into that. And, you know, we have a multi-generational company at CSMG. We've got people in well, Harvey's in his 80s. So we have people in their 80s, investors and board members in their 70s, 60s, 50s. We literally have 40s, 30s, 20s down to every decade. And when you have a multi-generational company like that, the cumulative wisdom adds up magnificently. And um, and I think it works great. Uh so selfish. I love mentoring. I love mentoring people. I love watching the growth people have in their careers. And selfishly, 
we get great employees because we take the best students, we make them interns, we take the best interns and we make them employees. So that's it's 80, 20 give and 20 take. And that's the that's the take is that we get to do a lot of screening on people and have built a world class team. Um, also on the subject of how you treat people, I always treated Michael Shrek really well when he was a young salesperson. And so, you know, I was one of the first couple of people he reached out to about this business. And uh, we built a great mutual respect and admiration. And, um, and, and I think we've done a really good job. We got it funded uh, in a big way last October. And we're off to the races with traditional sports and, and esports. Well, congratulations. So let's just hop into the CSMG conversation. CSMG Collegiate Sports Management Group. I know you walk, obviously work with a lot of colleges. You work on the media right side. I see the press releases. It seems like every other day at this point, you're you're wheeling and dealing and, and creating relationships and doing something yeah. else. So uh, talk to me a little bit. When Michael came to you and said, hey, Ray, I have this idea. What, what was that initial idea? And, and obviously, uh, how has it changed and evolved over time? I mean, the idea was pretty close to where it is now. We felt that uh, there was a need for an outsourced properties group. The one thing we eliminated from sort of the original idea was uh, actually producing content because that's a black hole that, you, you know, you can of money. And we've seen other companies in similar spaces without getting into names make that mistake. So we decided to go more into the representation business and then really not buying out assets, going more revenue share. The only thing that we've bought out was ECAC rights because the ECAC was had a vision and Dan Coonan had an amazing vision, but the economics weren't working for him. So that was really more to keep the operation running properly than it was to uh, just you know willy-nilly buy rights out. And so how... When, you, when he comes to you and says, hey, I have this idea, what was it about this idea that allowed you to say, you know what, I I think we can be successful at that. I don't think we can be just successful. I think we can be extremely successful. Why Why this idea? Why at that time? And why now? Well, it worked out really well. I, I was building a really nice um, analytics business doing valuation, packaging, and then some sales for properties. And I, I thought Mike would be an asset to that. I knew it would take longer than we thought to build it. So we had a revenue stream, and which which he then drove to a great extent, building that revenue stream with some of his contacts. And also, I felt that IMG and Learfield had done acquisitions of, of smaller companies. And I, I anticipated, based on having worked with them, that they would be kind of going upstream and focusing more upstream and not giving all the love to mid-majors and FCS football schools. Um, and then I thought Division Two and Division Three were a huge untapped market, long-tail programming, um, and content becoming much more viable as it became inex more, much more inexpensive to produce video. Uh, when I was at the Football Network in 2003, really, we couldn't do games for less than $40,000. We couldn't produce games for less than that. And now we're seeing games produce very well in football and basketball for between seven and 10. And if it's a local company, they can do it for four or five. And if it's done on campus, they can do it for hundreds of dollars. So um, the, that makes all the long tail programming. You don't need the audience to pay back for the advertising and marketing against a particular um, bit of content. And I think one thing that I'm very excited to talk about. So there's two things, actually. One is NIL, name, image, likeness, which is going to be happening 
hopefully sooner rather than later. We just saw EA just announced, I think yesterday that they're bringing back uh, NCAA college football. So that's going to be a lot of fun. So that's, that's a whole nother conversation. And one aspect that you guys, I know over at CSMG have uh, dove as far down deep into as you can is the esports side of things. So as you said, having people from generation to generation from 80 to 70 to 60 to 50, how how was that first conversation and how did that come about and and getting everybody on board with something's like you just want to watch kids play video games that was probably a very interesting first couple conversations it's working now but talk to me a little bit about those first few days weeks months of the esports conversation you know well it's it, it's interesting I, we're such a team that i don't remember whether it was michael neil malvone the other co-founder and or myself that had the first idea but I guess all of us started just hearing little rumblings about esports. I, I was hearing it on the putting green when my nephew was um, playing in a golf tournament between his uh, junior and senior year of uh, of college of, of high school, and uh, I said, "Yeah, we should kind of be putting this in." I'm not sure exactly what it is, but maybe we should be putting it in our contracts. And then one thing led to another and Neil got involved in it. And Neil Malvone's done an amazing job as one of the first three curriculum builders for esports academia. And he's done an amazing job building this for us. And, you know, we learned about it and it's kind of fun being like the oldest esports executive in the United States. Although awesome. I think I'm actually not, I think Wim Stocks is a little older than I am, but, right. um, but it's, it's kind of fun. And, and it's, you know, I think the edge we have in esports is that we have such a strong traditional sports background. Neil's been putting on events for the past 10 years, Dream Bowl uh, and Spirit of America Bowl, college football, all-star games, that it does give us a leg up over everybody else in terms of understanding the things that really, that really matter. And obviously with you guys being in the collegiate space, one thing when esports really started to blow up over the last five-ish years, let's call it, was these teams and these organizations and the amount of money that they're charging BMW and, and State Farm just to be sponsors on their jerseys, hundreds of, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars. Why do you believe that the collegiate space has just as much, if not more potential than what some of these professional leagues and organizations are doing? I don't think it's more potential. Um, I think it's really more a question of um, of great potential. Like I wouldn't say college athletics has more upside than professional sports, but we don't have to be bigger than them. They have team franchise values that are twenty million dollars and up, and and probably going up. And you know they're giving out three million dollar first prizes for winners of events at uh, out in Queens. So. Um, I just think it's going to be a huge business. Uh, we envision that there's going to be something that's going to be somewhere between um, the NH uh, college hockey, college lacrosse, and college basketball. So um, where it lands on that continuum, I'm not sure. But if it lands halfway on that continuum or even a third of the way on that continuum and, and we're the leading player, we're going to have a hell of a business. Yes. Yes. Absolutely, you are. And how have you seen the pandemic, uh, for lack of a better term, accelerate some of these processes? I mean, being within college sports, I know some colleges aren't meeting. I know esports is gaining more attention, especially did when there were no sports on. So I can see that being a, a positive and a negative. What have you seen from your end? Well, um, it, it's definitely, unfortunately, have been a lot of cancellations, obviously, of seasons amongst their 25 conferences and 
over 250 schools and ECAC competitions, et cetera, et cetera. So we've been able to put more uh, horsepower, if you will, and effort into esports. And I think that's helped us a bit um, because that's become a main area of focus. We built some great partnerships with a company, ESTV, so, which is the first linear uh, esports network. We built an exclusive relationship with them. Eric Yoon is their founder. He's an amazing individual and professional. And um, it, it's been awesome. Uh, you know, one of the most fun things I've seen, and, and esports can be a great competition even online. But one of the great things I saw was these kids that you knew were like kind of the outcasts in high school. And you knew they never really had school spirit in high school. You know, and now they're walking around with their Quinnipiac jersey or their Marist jersey and they win the championship. And to see these kids have school spirit and belong to something and be part of something was just really, really enjoyable for me. That is awesome. Shout out to those kids. Yeah, we've all we all kind of know who those kids are. And hopefully, again, they're, they're enjoying themselves a little bit, getting some uh, getting some stuff done. As you said, being a part of something, I think, is very important. Everybody, we're humans. We want to be a part of a community. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess so then the last thing I do want to talk about is the NIL side. If I'm not mistaken, saw a press release come out with Open Doors, correct? Yes, right? we, we have we have built a great partnership with Open Doors. They built an exclusive product for our um, hundreds and hundreds of schools without giving a number as to what they've embargoed, but we can actually approach anybody we work with, which uh, NJCAA has 525 uh, members. Uh, ECAC has almost 250. And then we have, I'm not going to say another 250 or so, because some crossover with the ECAC. Um, we have those schools, but a lot of those, we have an exclusive ability to go to those schools for the next six months and really build an amazing partnership. They built a product that was really targeted for this school. And um, I, I had a, one of our commissioners said, well, they're expensive. And I said, well, Open Doors has built a product that makes more sense for this level than it makes for the Power Five. And he said, well, I, I, I want the big product. I said, well, you don't have the budget for the big product and you don't need the big product. He said, well, I want the big product. And I said, well, to be honest with you, think of it this way. Our product goes up to 130 miles an hour and the Power 5 product goes up to 210 miles an hour like a NASCAR car. It's the same Ford Mustang body. Are you planning to drive over 130? Well, I'm not. So this car is plenty good. I like that. Great analogy. Yeah. And and yeah. what is it? I mean, obviously, we we're seeing it was it was very um I'll use the word interesting when all these colleges said, no, 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 we can't have NIL. We can't have NIL. And then once it became apparent that it was going to happen, we're now seeing all these colleges uh, partner, mostly speaking about the power five now starting to partner with all these uh, companies and organizations to help these kids. I'm a hundred percent on board. I don't understand how people can say, no, these college kids can't be paid for their own name. That's very confusing to me. So that's a whole nother conversation. It seems like you're on board with that too. How are you guys trying to find ways to help these kids and not only just help the kids, but obviously you guys have to make money along the way too. So how, how bullish are you on NIL and, and how much manpower are you putting behind that, uh, that side of the business? We're putting a decent amount of effort behind it, first selling it in and then making sure we sell the deals and build the exchanges to make schools money. But the thing is, Open Doors is doing this for 30,000 athletes and celebrities already. Mm -hmm. So they already have brands that are engaged. So whether or not we represent the brand, there's a pipeline of, of companies, of, of regional organizations, whether it's a, a single auto dealership, whether it's a New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, tri-state dealers, or whether it's 
Toyota or Chevrolet or Ford or whoever, um, there's already a pipeline in place. And we feel that at our level is going to be very different than the Power 5 level. Power 5 level, a brand, a Zaxby's or someone like that might have to make a decision. Do I want to give Clemson $150,000 or do I want to give Trevor Lawrence $150,000? In our case, it's more a question of building up the scale where the athletes become media activation for the properties. So we never run into a case where someone is saying, well, we... We, we can't we can't advertise in the SoCon. It's too expensive. Or, you know, we can't do the Atlantic Sun. It's too expensive. The A Sun um, or, or a particular uh, institution within within those uh, those conferences. It's more a question of is that really going to move my business? Well, we think it's going to move the business a lot more once you can activate behind uh, seasonal athletes in you know third quarter, fourth quarter, uh, for, into the first quarter, et cetera. So we think it's additive in our area where it's really one plus one equals three, where the pie is going to become bigger because mid-majors, FCS, D2, D3, junior colleges are going to become more viable. And then right now we can start, Mike, Michael, we can start an esports right now because of how we've set up the ECAC, mm -hmm. which is more of the Olympic model than the NCAA model. I love it. I love it, Ray. That is absolutely incredible. Shout out to you guys. And I'm, I'm excited for the kids, right? Everyone thinks of, yeah, the Trevor Lawrence's and is he going to get the $150,000? Well, what about the the kid at the D2 school that, you know, what if he could use an extra three grand a year? That's a lot of money to a college kid. You could do a lot of, you could do a lot of stuff with three grand as a, as a senior in college. And I think that is where the impact is going to be had. Everybody has their eyes on, okay, well, what's Oklahoma State going to do? What's Oklahoma going to do? Texas, Clemson, Alabama. It's like, well, let's let's worry about the swimmer on that mid-major who, yeah, she could use an extra couple thousand dollars and, and actually put it to good use and do something with it. I think that's the most important part. That's going to be the most fun part. I mean, the Tufts lacrosse captain yep. in that market is going to have commercial value. The Columbia basketball captain, Mike Smith, would have been extremely viable uh, when he was at Columbia if NIL was in place. Uh, Patrick Tepe, who I ran into in a pizza place, said this is the greatest pizza. He would have made money because he had a great social media following. So, yeah, it's going to extend all the way down. And to me, the most exciting part of it is that in a lot of cases, the female athletes are going to do even better than the male athletes. Mm -hmm. There are twin basketball players in the in the Big West that are going to do extremely well with this. I love it. I'm so excited to see it. And kudos and congratulations to you guys over at CSMG for what you're doing. So, Ray, in case anyone wants to reach out, ask you some more questions, where uh, where could they find you on the Internet? Uh our website is www.collegiatesmg.com, and I can be reached at rcats at collegiatesmg.com. I love it. Well, I appreciate it, Ray. Thank you so much for your time. I hope everyone found a little value in this. And if they didn't, they should go back and listen because there's a lot there. I appreciate it, Ray. Thank you so much. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yes.